Well, a big hello to you wherever you're watching from. Uh, my name is Daryl, if we haven't met. Uh, maybe it's your first time. Come on guys, let's give a big shout out to whoever is new. If it's your first time, a big welcome to Home Online. We're glad that you could join us today. Look, I'm gonna share a super quick thought, something that God's been talking to me about. And my prayer is that this is something that's gonna help you in your life. Um, just to let you know, Typically, the moment we start to film, somebody's cutting our tree outside of our house and the gardeners have shown up too. So if you hear any noise, then you know that this is really being filmed in a home with the reality of what that looks like to be in a house. So there might be a digger that helps me to preach today um, as we jump in. But Exodus 14, Exodus 14 is where we are going to go together. So if you get your Bibles, let's head on over there, put your thumb in there, ready to jump in. But let me give you some context. So in Exodus 14, uh, we've got to the point where the Israelites are slaves. They're slaves in Egypt. Uh, they've been slaves for hundreds of years. And God uses a man called Moses to negotiate their freedom. And so he negotiates their freedom. But then after this long negotiation process, and if you read Exodus 14, you'll see it was, it was extreme. And then we see that Pharaoh at the last point changes his mind. So he says, yep, we'll let the slaves go. And then at the last minute, he's like, I've changed my mind. I've changed my, changed my thinking. And so Exodus 14, verse 9, it says the Egyptians pursued them. So the Israelites are leaving. They're leaving in drones. There's so many of them, all of their family, their kids, they packed up everything. And the Egyptians pursued them. And it says all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamped at the sea by Pihathroth in front of Baal Zephon. So all of the army, doesn't say some, it's all the chariots, all of his men. I'm talking this is every bit of Pharaoh's force is pursuing the Israelites. Now just imagine, imagine what this scene looks like. You've got the Israelites, they're backed against the Red Sea. They've got thousands of military and chariots coming towards them. This is like a Hollywood moment. Imagine the dust, you know, being lifted. There's clouds of dust everywhere. There's noise, there's shouting, there's screaming. There's minimal visibility. There's some things you can see. There's some things that you can't see coming from all corners and all closing in around you. You know what that is? That's the feeling of being overwhelmed. You ever felt that feeling before? Felt overwhelmed? covid overwhelming you, family life overwhelming you, work overwhelming you, uh, just the, the thought of tomorrow overwhelming you, whatever that looks like, maybe it's finances, the demand is high, the pressure is mounting, everything is closing in, there's some things I can see, but there's a whole bunch of things I can't see, I am overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed. I like to define it like this, it's the feeling of being surrounded under pressure with more questions than answers. I'm overwhelmed. The army is pursuing. And maybe that's where you are today. And I, I wanna share a thought today all around the concept of being overwhelmed. Because I think that the Bible has made it really clear that there are some things that we can do when we as people are feeling overwhelmed. But there's a truth in this account, hidden in this account, that I believe that will help us all as we walk through overwhelmed. It's this truth that, even though the, the Israelite people were in one place, God was fighting to get them to a new place, the place of knowing that Jesus overwhelms that which overwhelms us. 
that we may be feeling overwhelmed, but Jesus, he overwhelms the things that overwhelm us. So I want to talk about three things today, three practical things that we can do when we are facing overwhelmed, when we are feeling overwhelmed. The first thing, number one, this is what we need to do when we're overwhelmed is we have to get to high ground. We have to get to high ground. Um, have you ever, you ever met an annoying kid? Like, yes. And I, I can say that because I don't, I don't have annoying kids. Maybe you think my kids are annoying, but I, I don't, I don't think my kids are annoying, but I was an annoying kid. I was that annoying kid. I would ask questions all the time. I was that kid who would always say, why, why, why? To the point where I still remember my mum used to say to me, she used to she'd get so frustrated. She'd be like, Daryl, why is a letter with a long tail? Like, just stop. You know, I was that annoying kid. And, and growing up, I had, uh, I had a best friend at school when I was in primary school. And I still remember we, after school, we used to take turns and go to each other's house. And I used to love going to his house because his granddad lived with him. Now his granddad was in the war. He fought in the war and um, would always have stories. And I, I've always been intrigued and interested in military and historic stories of battles. And he would just talk and talk and talk. And I was good for him because I was that kid who would always ask why, why, why? So he loved that he had a captive audience. And so he, he, he would tell me all the time about different stories. And I remember this time he was telling us about this battle that he faced. Um, and he was talking about the first thing that you do when you, when you get into battle. And I remember we sat down and I'm like so interested. He's like, yep, then we came up. Um, you know, we came up. He told about the way that they came up. They came in by boat. And as they got to the beach, he's like, the first thing we do. And I'm like, you get your guns out. I interrupt him. He's like, no, no, no. That's not the first thing you do. He's like, the, the first thing you do. I'm like, yeah, you hide? He's like, no, Daryl, the first thing you do is you get to high ground. You get to high ground so that you can get a new perspective, a different perspective of the battle so that you can see things differently, see things from a way that you couldn't see it when you were on the ground. And equally, when you're on high ground, you get away from annoying kids like you. That's literally what he said to me, that he could get away from kids like me. And, and maybe, maybe you're thinking, right, okay, that makes sense. I, I agree that getting to high ground is helpful. But if you look at the account, Daryl, the Israelites weren't on high ground. They were actually on low ground. They were standing with their backs against the sea, facing the army, pursuing on low ground. Well, let's read verse 1 and 2 together. Exodus 14, 1 to 2, it says, Tell the people, this is what God said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of, watch this, these names, Pihafroth, between Midgal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. Now in scripture, names, they mean something. God, God didn't just put it in there for no reason. Every name has a meaning and God wanted to say something. So yes, the Israelites were geographically on low ground, but watch this, they were standing on P. Hafroth. Now P. Hafroth, it means this, it means a patch of green grass. Now this is crazy that they're standing on a patch of green grass in the desert. They're in the desert. But that's where they're standing at this point where God says, I want you to get to Pi-Hafroth. Then between a place called Midgal, Midgal means the high tower. It means high ground in front of Baal-Zephon, which means the Lord 
who is north. So watch this. When they looked down where they were standing, they saw the grass and they were reminded of God's provision. They were reminded of a miracle. They were reminded of all the things that God could do. That was the grass that they were standing on, but they were stood firmly between the high ground where you, where you find perspective once you find the grass. And they were looking at the reminder, which is to keep your eyes north towards the Lord. So let me summarize it in three words. In three words. If you find the grass in your life, you'll find perspective and you'll find God. So when you're feeling overwhelmed, look for the grass. Where has God been good to you? Where has God provided for you? Where is maybe the miracles you've experienced before? Find the grass and it will help you to find perspective, to reach that high ground. And, and when you reach high ground, you will find God. Even when you're feeling overwhelmed, even when it doesn't make sense, even when things don't add up, you will find him. We may not be in the best financial position or the best health condition with the best support network, but we can all still reach high ground and see God. We can all do it. And perspective shifts. And we start thinking differently when we're on high ground. We're like, think, things won't always be like this. We start thinking like, it's okay to be out of control because God is in control. But maybe you're thinking, well, how? Like, how do I do? Daryl, I'm overwhelmed. So how do I do that? Well, in verse 10, it says the Israelites, they cry out to God. They cry out to God. In Psalm 61 verse 2, it says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, that is higher than I. So why did I read that? Well, because it's a reminder that ask God to lead you to that new perspective. I don't have that perspective, Daryl. Well, just like David did in Psalm 61, we could ask him, God, would you lead me to higher ground? God, would you give me a new perspective? When, when I'm overwhelmed, I need to spend more time asking than just watching the armies pursuing and closing in. And here's the good news. God always responds. Like he always responds. And just because he didn't answer your prayer your way doesn't mean he doesn't answer your prayers anyway. He will, and he, and he, and he has, and, and he can, but we've got to see his answers. And we see in verse 14, he responds through Moses, and he says, the Lord will fight for you, and you only need to be still. Now, this is one of the most frustrating scriptures in all the Bible for me. I'm like, be still. I love a game plan. I need a strategy. Are you like me? Let me know in the chat if you're like me. I need a game plan. You're telling me to be still? Like, I, I, God, God you, you, give me the blueprints. God, give me a preview. But there was, there was none of that. God didn't talk about the how through Moses. All he said was that he will, that he fights for his people. So we can take confidence that we may be feeling overwhelmed, but we are undergirded. You may be feeling underwhelmed today, but you have an undergirding that comes from God. It's like a ship that's above the ocean. It stays in its position because of the anchor that's underneath the water. That's the same with God with you, that you may be feeling overwhelmed, but you today, my friend, are undergirded. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. And that's true for all of us. That's number one. Number two, the second thing we can do when we're feeling overwhelmed. And as you can hear, I'm being helped to preach today by the gardener. Thank you, Mr. Gardener. Number two, number two 
is we have to wait for the sea to part. We have to wait for the sea to part. So if we're, if we're feeling overwhelmed, what do we do? Wait for the sea to part for you. Exodus 14, 21, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. This is an insane miracle. That is it. Think about it. God made wind blow, and the waters cleared out, so there was dry land like a, a dance floor, you know, that was created in the water. Why? Because before the way, there's always a wait. And we have to come to the place where we recognize that, yes, yes, I may be feeling overwhelmed. Yes, I may be walking through some of the toughest times in my life. But before the way, there is always a wait. Remember, it says that all night the wind blew. This is while all of the people were walking and, 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 and while all of the people were not at their quiet destination, but as the wind was blowing, as the wind was blowing around them while they couldn't see it, they were waiting. God was providing a way. And I believe the same for you in your life, that if we could just learn how to wait on God and recognize and trust that he is the one that makes the wait. He makes the way. And maybe you're asking, like, when will the sea part for me, God? Like, I've been asking. I've been praying. When will I get out? I'm still in the middle of this. Well, Jesus in John 16, he gives us this heads up. Um, he gives us his heads up in John 16, 33. And we heard a great message, um, you know, last online service from Rich Martin. It was phenomenal. In John 16, 33, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have Peace. Everyone say peace in the chat. Peace. In this world, you will have trouble. I'm like, God, what do you mean? I thought being a believer, like I was covered. I thought there was some kind of believer insurance. I thought I was protected. And he says, you will have trouble, but take heart, which means take confidence. I have overcome the world. So God's promise is not the absence of problems, but it's the attendance of peace. It's not the absence of problems in our life, but it's the attendance of peace. So while we wait for the sea to part in our lives, what we need is peace and not an escape. We need peace and not an escape. And many of us, many of us, we can't cope with being overwhelmed. So we look for escapes. Maybe that's a TV series. Maybe that's, that's social media. Maybe that's alcohol. But here's, here's the issue. An escape has a return ticket. That you may be getting away for a moment, but you're still going to come straight back to the army, the militaries uh, coming to overwhelm you. Uh, the, the, the truth is that the reality of, of peace is that peace isn't a holiday. Peace isn't a getaway. Peace isn't a moment of just ah rest, but peace is a person because peace is Jesus. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So here's the truth. If you want peace, the closer you get to Jesus, the more peace you receive. And, and, and typically when we're feeling overwhelmed, that's the moment where we kind of isolate, where we step back and we, we, we actually start to kind of close our eyes to God. Often that's what can happen. But when you do that, you're moving evidently further away from peace. When God wants us to know that there is a sea parting plan for you and for me. There is a sea parting plan for you. God loves you. He knows you. And there is a sea parting plan. We just need to wait in peace. Wait in peace. You know, I was thinking about Genesis 1. Uh, in Genesis 1, we see the creation of the world, that God created the heavens and the earth. But as he created the heavens and the earth, 
still in Genesis 1, him knowing the future, he created a place called Calvary. Calvary was the place where God knew that millions of years later, his son would die on the cross there. But still, watch this, even though he created that place and designed that place, knowing what was going to happen there, he still called it good. That's what he says in Genesis 1. He's like, he finished, he created everything. He said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. He still called it good. Why? Why could he say it's good? Why? Because what happened there wasn't good, but it ended in ultimate good. And that's the same for your life and for my life. Where you are right now, that feeling of overwhelm may not be good. But ultimately, God can cause it to become good. Romans 8, 28, we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. Good will come. We just need to wait for the sea parting plan. And the last one, number three of what we can do when we're feeling and experiencing overwhelmed. This is what we do. We walk. (laughs) That's all we can do is we just need to walk. We just need to put one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. See, the Bible doesn't say that after he parts the sea for the Israelites and creates dry land, it doesn't say he teleports them to the other side, but it says that they had to walk through the world's largest aquarium. (laughs) It was like walls of water. And as Moses led them, they walked through. It actually says this in Hebrews 11, 29, it says, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. See, Exodus said that they got across using their legs, but Hebrew tells us that they got across using their faith. So th- this, this wasn't just about helping them escape. This was about doing something in them. This whole time, this whole process, it wasn't just so that they could be like, oh, I'm out of this. I've, I've, I've got out of this. No, God was like, yep, you're using your legs. You're walking, but equally, I'm building your faith. I'm building something in you. And every step that they took as they walked through The largest aquarium was an opportunity to develop their faith, their trust, their confidence in God. And by the time they got to the other side, I have no doubt that people were different from when they first walked across. And that's going to be the same with you and with me, that as we take step by step, trusting God, believing for more, walking, just doing what we know to do, taking that step, getting out of bed in the morning, doing the same routines, being with the same people, getting into the word of God, praying, being vulnerable, telling people, sharing people with where we're at. As we do that journey and we develop, God's not just helping you to get out. He's helping you to become the best you. He's helping to develop you into everything that he's called you to be. And so I wonder what God wants to produce in you in the feeling of being overwhelmed, that God's working whilst we're walking. We just have to keep moving. We just have to keep moving. But but here's the truth. We don't have to walk alone. We don't have to walk alone. And neither did Jesus. When Jesus faced overwhelmed in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross, in Matthew 26, 38, it says, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. 
And he says, stay with me. Would you just stay here and keep watch with me? So Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to his friends who sadly weren't there for him. They fell asleep. And I wonder who would stay awake and walk with you. Do you have those people in your world who would stay awake and walk with you? You know, Jesus knelt in the garden praying. And I wonder if there's people that would kneel down and pray with you. And maybe if you can't answer that question, maybe it's time to do that. Maybe it's time to find those people who you can say, I'm overwhelmed. I need you to stay awake with me. I need you to pray with me. I need you to wait with me as I do this. I can't do this alone. Jesus knelt in the garden and he's praying and he's like, God, would you take this cup from me? Would you take this cup from me? Would you just make the pain stop? Just the feeling of overwhelmed. If if it's not your plan, I, I, I don't want to do it. But if it's your plan, then I'll do it. And isn't it true in our lives that we say the same thing? We say, God, would you take this cup from me? Take this cup. I can't deal with the feeling of overwhelm. Would you just take it? from me. I can't walk through this anymore. But some cups God allows us to hold. See, he won't let you drink the cup to kill you, but he will to reveal you, to reveal the real you, what's inside of you, what God's placed in you. So let me ask you the question, what is being built in you in this time of being overwhelmed? If I was to pour water into this glass right now, I'm sure we could say that the glass is being overwhelmed if I just kept on pouring and pouring. And maybe that's what your life feels like. It feels like it's a constant pouring of different ways and different angles and everything is filling up this glass and I'm feeling overwhelmed. But imagine if we took a moment to not look at what's happening inside the glass, but we look at what's coming out of the glass. That's called overflowing. Inside is overwhelmed, but outside is overflowing. And I wonder if we could change our perspective to not just look at what's happening to us, but start to look at what God's producing in us and what could come out of us. That we then move from a place of, I am overwhelmed, to a place of saying with faith, God, I'm overflowing. God, you've made me overflow. Your cup runs over in my life. I wonder the impact in the world around us. I wonder the impact in your family. I wonder the impact with your friends. If we would embrace overwhelm and say, God, I know you're doing something in this season. God, I know I'm going to get out of it. I'm not always going to be in it. But God, I want to move from a place of overwhelmed to a place of overflowing. God, don't just rescue me, but refine me. God, can you produce gold in me that isn't just for me, but it's for the people around me? So I want to pray for anybody who is experiencing overwhelmed. And here's the truth. Here's the reality. I'm sure it's many of us, if not all of us, are experiencing overwhelm. So if you are feeling those feelings of overwhelm, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I want you to make something like a, do, do something, do a step. So that step for you might be lifting your hands. That step for you might be standing up. Whatever it is, I'm going to pray for you. So I want you to do that right now, wherever you are. So God, I pray for each person who is experiencing overwhelmed in their life. They feel like the armies are pursuing. They're all around them. And God, I pray supernaturally that you would reveal to them exactly what you're doing. God, that you know, we know you don't always reveal your whole game plan, but God, you show us step by step. And I pray, Lord, that you would show them what that next step looks like 
right for them. Show them that they're loved, they're not alone, that you are in it with them. And God, that you can turn all things around and Lord, make it good from something that isn't good. And I pray, Lord God, that people will recognize and build a trust that there is a sea parting plan for them. And God, you want to produce more in them than they could do without the feelings of overwhelm. So I pray for peace right now, peace in minds, peace in hearts, strength, Lord God, the strength to recover, the strength to stand, the boldness to share. I pray that people have confidence, Lord, to tell other people that they're feeling overwhelmed, that they won't stay isolated, they won't stay alone in their mind, alone in their thoughts, God, but they will bring others into their feelings of being overwhelmed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And maybe you are watching and for you, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus before. Today is that day. Because hey, this God that I've been talking about, all of these things, they aren't exclusive for just the, the remnant, the small group of Christians. No, it's for anyone and everyone. God loves you and he wants to know you. And today is that moment where you can say, yeah, God, I'm in, I wanna follow you. So if that's you and you're saying, Daryl, I wanna follow this God, I don't know everything, but all I know is I need this God. My life, I need him. So if that's you, and we're gonna pray a prayer and I just want you to repeat the prayer after me. Would you say, Jesus, today, like right now, I choose to follow you. 